Hello again, and welcome to the Gospel to Boldly podcast, where we confess with St. John that these things are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. We're your hosts. I'm Thomas Limke. And I am Pastor Eric Brown. And how about that? We nailed that. That was clean. Shazam. I'm, I'm amped and I'm psyched and slightly superstitious. <laughs> superstitious. Why? I am a Cubs fan, and the Cubs are playing. We're recording on Monday night. The Cubs are playing the Cardinals. When when we shut it off, they were up 5-2. to two. But but I'm superstitious. They lost game one to the Cardinals that I watched. Okay. Game two, I had church on Saturday night. I get out of church. They scored five runs while I was preaching. Should we record during game three? Oh, yes. Let's Absolutely. go. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, yeah, so... Hey, didn't we talk about this last time in the thing, uh, in, in your question? Yeah. It ha- what, what we record now has no, when we record has no bearing at all on the Cubs game, but we like to think it revolves around us. <laughs> right. I, I have my happy thoughts. Although I put on my lucky shirt for the OU Texas game and that didn't help at all. No, oh, nothing all right. to help that. Thanks. All right. For those of you who are not interested in sports and are totally bored, I, I asked my wife not to text me game updates, so probably it won't show up again. Well, unless I make another sports analogy. But anything else we should chat about before we dive on into the text? Uh, I don't think so. I, you know, we talk about sports, and what better day for sports in the American tradition than Sunday, Sunday, Sunday? But in the Jewish tradition, we have a different thing going on on Sundays, right? There, there's my transition. Oh, oh or, or Saturdays, the, the Sabbath day. Dang, you, you got me on that one. That's oh, true. <laughs> it, it, it worked. It worked. It was off the cuff. It worked. That was totally unplanned, as most of the show is. <laughs> All right. So if you recall, Jesus has done two signs up in, up in Galilee. So people should be leaving. That should be enough evidence. Anything else should be gravy. And he comes across the man at the pool and uh, pool of Bethesda and... He heals him. Mm-hmm. Oh, psh, you're waiting to get on in? Forget that. You don't even need to get into the pool. Dude, up. Walk. Mm-hmm. Woo! The only problem, it was a Sabbath. And with that, we're going to dive in at chapter, John chapter 5, verse 10. If you would uh, uh, take a few verses and go to you feel like stopping, Thomas. All right. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. I, I want to stop there. <laughs> okay. I mean, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> they, they didn't even go to Jesus first. They're just like, uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, this is a no bed carrying zone. Well, okay. I, 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 he, he'd been, been lame for 38 years. Now, you think you'd one, cut the guy some slack. I mean, that, that's, but, but no. Hey, wait a second. We're in Jerusalem. It's a Sabbath day. What are you doing carrying your bed? Mm-hmm. Oh, that—that's that, actually heavy lifting. I mean, they, they had developed all sorts of of rules. The Pharisees had for like, well, you could take so many steps while carrying something, or or so many steps when not carrying something, and all all this other stuff, supposedly to keep the Sabbath day holy. The only problem is, why was the guy carrying his bed again, Thomas? Jesus told him to as he answers in verse 11. Let's see here. Yeah, take that. Take that up. But he answered them. The man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. (laughs) You know, I have to say, 
while you guys let me sit there by the pool for 38 years and never seen fit to get me down into the pool when the, the spirit stirred the waters and all that stuff, I'll listen to the guy who told me to get up and walk. Yeah. you know what? Now I can walk. I, I'm just saying the guy <laughs> told me. I, I, all right. Fair enough. I mean, if I had fallen into a well, would you maybe have gotten me? Oh, that's pulling out another one from one of the other Gospels. But yeah, I mean, so so it's a a very simple answer. But do you see how people are already flustered by this? What's this guy doing? Mm -hmm. Dude, I was lame and now I can walk. (laughs) Sorry. All right, let's carry on. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had just been healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Now this is beautiful. So often we'll get the 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 people requesting healings of Jesus, and they'll look at them and dramatically go, "Your faith has made you well." Mm-hmm. This fellow doesn't even know who Jesus is. I was just sitting there. I was complaining about life, and some dude told me to get up and walk, and I was healed. And, and dude, I'm just getting along and walking. All right. So, so it's interesting. You have the, this this uh, fantastic uh, reversal of the. Uh, well, well, I'll wait for that. Okay. But 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 it's just nope. I, I don't even know who Jesus is, but he did awesome stuff for me. So some dude just told me to get up and walk, and I could, so I did. <laughs> it was awesome. So, all right, all right. <clears throat> Let's carry on. This is a, a neat verse coming up here. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Now do you note that? I I have not ever picked that up in previous readings of this gospel. That's an interesting verse to take in isolation. Well, what happens is, Jesus, the guy gets up, takes his stuff home, people grouse him, and then what does he do when he's done? Because it's the Sabbath day. He goes to the temple, of course. Now, Thomas... You're a little bit better on some of the Old Testament stuff than I am. I don't know about that, but okay. If he, if he well, sorry, the Jewish law and Hebrew are right. okay. True. Now, now, if he was lame, mm-hmm. were there parts of the temple he could not go into? Yep. More so than the person. That's right. The so, inner courts were disallowed for those with any kind of abnormality like that. Yeah. And where would Jesus be in the temple? He would have been in the inner courts. So what does this guy do? He's a good, pious kid. He, he he can walk for the first time, and where does he go? He drops his bed off at home. Yeah. And then he goes to church. It's awesome. That is awesome. And Jesus, look, you're well. Sin no more. Great. Dude, <laughs> you've got a good chance. Don't muck it up, man. All <laughs> exactly. right? And so it's just, it's like, oh, great, you made it to church. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's just this really interesting setup. And then what comes next? The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. All right, so the guy goes away and says, All right, dude, I found out he was in the temple. It's Jesus of Nazareth. It was awesome. I mean, the... And what do they do? The Jewish leaders gripe. Mm -hmm. Now think about this in terms of the narrative we've gotten in John. 
you've had the Samaritans who, when Jesus comes and doesn't even do anything miraculous other than tell them their sins, <laughs> there's your miracle. I will preach sharp law and I can <laughs> zero in and be specific. Boom. They rejoice. Look, uh, the, could this be the Christ? Meanwhile, you go to Jerusalem and you have the Christ in the temple, healing people, bringing the lame into the temple, as it were. Mm -hmm. a, a man has been restored to temple worship. This is this is great. Surely gonna, end time stuff. We're going to gross. Yeah. Oh, he's working. Yeah, yeah. My father's working until now and I'm working. You're missing the point. The point of the Sabbath is that it's a time of rest for you, a time of rest and restoration. Well, guess what? This guy got plenty of rest and restoration. He'd been lying around for 38 years. A little bit of walk wasn't going to hurt him, especially if the walk ended off at the temple. So <laughs> let him be. That's fair. Nope, nope, nope. My father is working till now. And, and oh, 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 it says I am working. Or is it like oh. an Aragon type working? or? And, and it's just, and I am doing work okay uh, i i working so yeah yeah the father does work i work too because guess what the father and i are one because we're both god that's Which kind of all literally we can't in the upcoming yeah, verses yeah, here yeah. Now, i will say in my you know lookings at john and with unitarians and stuff in the past in this particular place it's my understanding and you may know something about this uh that jewish thought at the time held that yes God did take his rest on the Sabbath in one sense, and, and as such served as a model for our Sabbath. In another sense, though, God continues working every day because he is upholding the universe by the power of his word. And so when Jesus claims the same divine prerogative to work seven days a week, as it were, that's already an association. Right. Well, I, when you think about it in Genesis, when God rests on the seventh day, he rests from creating things anew mm -hmm. so so he doesn't do any more let let the earth bring forth this he, he's done right so you get that whole cycle of of creation accomplished it's not that god suddenly said all right i'm going to close my eyes and just let whatever <laughs> happen adam what did you do eve oh, I, here i had been resting on my day and suddenly no no it, it doesn't work that way god is constant God is. I mean, right. so so that that resting that God does is an example for our benefit. It, it shows the the realities of worship and all that. And no, no, I, God God doesn't sleep on the Sabbath, guys. He, he in that he what's he doing in the temple? He's showing you mercy. That's the whole point. And just as he's working, so am I working to show mercy. Bingo. All right. Cool. All right. Woohoo. Uh, next verse, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now, this is interesting. We, we, we're used to saying our father, mm -hmm. right? But, but we, we say that we are our sons as of adoption. We've, right. we've been brought in. Jesus isn't making any claim like that. He is just saying, my father. That's a big distinction. We get to say our father, because whenever we pray, we're, we're, we're praying in Christ, with the Spirit. We, we're, I get to claim him as my father because of Christ. Right. That, 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 Jesus, nope, just my father. And, and what are you? You are as your father is. Are you a human being, Thomas? Yep. 
Is your son also a human being? Like his father, yes, indeed. <laughs> All right. So, so, so if 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 Jesus is saying God is my father, he is saying that he too is like God. So, or like we confess in the Nicene Creed, then begotten, not made, made like us. He is very God of very God. Right. Yep. Begotten his father before all worlds. Yep, that's who I am. I happen to become man for your sake, but but yeah, the big thing here is that I'm God too. All right. Well, okay, we're going to come up onto a big speech coming up here. So let, let's pause up here going into the break. Sounds good. But again, just, just note that contrast. When you see God showing mercy, do you rejoice or do you grouse? If you're grousing, that's a bad sign. Why? Know what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. That's who God is. All right. And we get a lot of that coming up in parables and the synoptics as well, don't we? Like the uh, unmerciful servant and and, uh, things of that nature. Might be hearing a lot of that coming up now. So, all right. Sounds good. Well, off to the break we go. Back on the other side. And we're back on the Gospel Boldly podcast, and we're in the middle of John 5, getting ready to start at John 19, and, and we're getting a, a long speech from Jesus. It, in fact, it it takes up the rest of the chapter. So we're going to go and listen to the words of Jesus and, and parse them, see what's going on, hear what he has to tell us. Well, actually, he's speaking to the Jews who are complaining about him, but but it also informs us. So, right, all right. On. so don't complain about Jesus, but, but listen to him. <laughs> all right. That was kind of finger-waggy. But hey. <laughs> oh, pastor's breaking out the law. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For... All right. Now, just think there, Jesus is playing off of this idea of, of the Father and the Son. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your kid's not quite old enough. Mine's almost ready to turn four. Okay, this is fantastic. The other day I come home from church and my wife says, yeah, Victor was taking goldfish crackers and saying, body of Christ, and giving them <laughs> to, to, to his brother. Why? Well, that's what Daddy does at church. He just seen Dad do that so much. That, there you go. Sons imitate their fathers. Son, obedient sons do what their dad does. That's part of learning. Yeah. And so Jesus says, "All right, he, he, let, let let me lay this out for you guys. What I'm doing, I'm not just making stuff up. I'm not. I'm not winging it. Rather, this is what the the Father has sent me to do. It's what he." We can say taught as a as a human analogy, but but there's there's perfect unity in this. The father and son are united, and this is the idea. This is what they're going to do. The father loves the son, and let all right. I I I love you, son. And here's the greatest thing that you're going to accomplish. And why? Because I love you, and I want you to have all creation for yours for eternity. And it's messed up, so let's fix this. Ba boom. Here we go. All right. Uh, for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, 
but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Now, think about how bold this is to folks who are complaining. Jesus is saying, no, if you want to be with the Father, if you want to be with with God, you don't get to do it apart from me. In fact, what is it? <laughs> you know, everything rests upon me. You, you, I, I, the Father gives life, I get to give life. If, if you want to have resurrection, it's going to come through me. And how's it going to come? It's going to come through my word. I will speak the word and, and, and you'll believe and you'll have life. And and there'll be no judgment if you hear my word. That that that's the whole point. I, I'm here to give life because this is what you know how the the Father does all that stuff, and you know we have creation and all that, which He did through me anyway. But but I mean, this is what God delights in giving life. So don't get in the way of God, dudes. Come on. All right. I don't know if Jesus would say dudes there, but <laughs> whatever right. the uh, language of the day. Right. 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 Cool. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Think about this. As St. Paul says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The hour's coming when those who hear him will live. Uh, can you think of anyone in this gospel so far who's heard Jesus and now has life? Eternal life, theirs right now. Well, the Samaritan woman and her compatriots, primarily. <laughs> I can, I'll give you living water. Springs of living water welling up within you. And what do they have? They do. They believe. They, they know who the Christ is. That's awesome. And so Jesus really, he's not just describing the future. And this is one of the things to, to we, we'll talk about things being now, not yet. We have eternal life now. We haven't seen it in full yet because we are like not to the last day. But, but it's ours now. And this is, this is all baptismal language. You are baptized into Christ. That means you have died with Christ, you're risen with Christ. We, we've had our resurrection, and we've got more coming. It, 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 it's this, this never, well, I don't want to say never-ending maybe, but this, continually out, this continual outpouring of God's grace and goodness that becomes more and more and greater and more wondrous. Don't marvel, you're going to see more things are coming. So do you see how that kind of flows? And it's just this this beautiful language. Definitely. And 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 the first thing Jesus does when he talks about judgment is then he talks about giving life. Because because what's the judgment Jesus wants to give? Uh pardon. <laughs> yeah, y'all are not guilty. I'm gonna take up the punishment. I mean that, that that's the point. That's what I want to do. Now, if you're gonna insist on being punished, I'll let you punish yourself. But that, that's not what I want to do. In fact, in fact. I'm going to raise everyone. Why? Because I'm going to speak and the whole world will be raised. Now, if, if you don't want to come and party eternally and rather pout and, well, then, then you can go to hell. But, 
<laughs> it's not because I want you there. All right. Do you see how that kind of works? Uh-huh. Now, did I hit 28 and 29? Uh, you hit 27. So let's start at 28 and 29. Awesome. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, I want you to think about this. In the Old Testament, the, the imagery of an idol is that it, it, it has eyes but doesn't see. It has right. ears but it doesn't hear. It, it has a mouth but it doesn't talk. Why? Because it's just stone. But what do you have? You have Jesus taking the dead. Those who have ears but can't hear. I mean, if I go talk to a dead person, nothing happens. Right. But when Jesus speaks, what happens? Even the dead, those who have ears and cannot hear, suddenly do hear and are alive again. Same way that we have with faith created. I believe I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord, but the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, has called me by the gospel, the words of Christ. You see, that's kind of neat. Definitely. And and here we get this whole idea of, of... Oh, where is that coming up? All right. So you do have that resurrection. Everyone's going to be raised. The resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Ooh, we should hear more about this to figure out what that 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 distinction is. Mm-hmm. What What is it to do good for Jesus? Oh, let's keep reading. Okay. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me. And I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. Uh, You you sent to John. uh, Wow. Oh, you sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. All right. And here Jesus kind of goes on the side. Mm-hmm. Now listen, none of this should be surprising you because John came out and he was telling you I was coming. And, and you saw all the stuff John was doing. You should have known. It's not just me saying, ah, yeah, I'm tooting my own horn. But look, look, you, ha- you had a prophet telling you what was coming. So come on, guys. Come on. Get, get with it. So. All right. Uh, uh, not that the testimony that I receive is from man. But I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and a shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. All right. Now note, I'm telling you this all this so you can believe. I'm trying to break down all the stubborn things that have you people freaking out about me. Look, you've been warned, you've seen signs, you've seen wonders. Yeah, this, this is all bearing witness. You, sh- This is the Old Testament coming to fruition, guys. Come on, get with the game. You've been taught, you've been trained in this. <laughs> oh, excuse me, I don't know what that was. All right, continue on. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Here's an interesting point. 
what's the main job of the scriptures? Point to Christ. Point to Christ. We can use the Bible for all sorts of things. I mean, it, it's a verifiable source of history. But the point of the scripture, these things are written, dare I say, yeah. that you may believe. And here Jesus is saying, look, the whole point of the scripture is not to come up with, ah, here's how we can have a nice rule set about what we can can or cannot carry on a, on a Sabbath day. No, no, the point is to look, the Christ is coming. And here's how we know the Christ when he arrives. Here's how we know. Here's how we see Christ. Here's how we receive him. And yet you refuse to come. What, what, is, what are you putting above the reception of Christ? What are you putting above? What, what's upsetting you? So let's carry on. Okay. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. Wow. Think about that. What are you more interested in getting? The the gifts of the Father that he works through me, or some dude who's entertaining? <laughs> you, you, you'll take any Johnny-come-lately false Christ, because they'll be entertaining, and, and, and they do get a couple more doozies in the next century or so that come on up and are just utterly shocking and Jerusalem gets destroyed twice. Yep. But no, look, this is where the Father, the Father has sent me, this is what he sent me to do. Think we can finish the chapter in the time? I think we can. All right. Finish it. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Oh, that's full. Look at how it points out. Yeah, the whole point of the Old Testament is to point to Christ. And what does Moses do? Because Moses is shorthand for the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, the the books of Moses. In fact, uh, I I had one prophet who would refer to Genesis as first Moses and and Exodus (laughs) as second Moses. It was kind of fun. And Jesus is making a point. Look, the scriptures point to me. Moses himself was looking forward to me. The he was proclaiming to the sign. Yeah. yeah. And and no, the, the, the hope that you have is not in, ooh, let's follow cool stuff in Leviticus. No, the point is, look, you have seen your sinfulness, but make yourself a separate people. Do separate things. Establish the temple because the Messiah will appear there one day. And look, here I am. This is the point. And you're grousing. Dudes, come on. But if you don't really believe Moses, and you think you need to add to his words, make it better, come up with your own freaky-deaky laws, well, if you don't believe Moses, how will you believe my words? This is really a, a, a call to shake them, to wake them up. Look at how you've been abusing the Old Testament by adding stuff. Quit it. Get to the bare bones. And the bare bones is me. Listen to me that you might live. Simple as that. Kind of a good... That, them's fighting words, though. Do you see how that could kind of upset people who were highly stubborn? Absolutely. Especially spoken in the temple amongst the most religious sects of the day. Well, let's see if we get highly upset by the questions in the Inquisition coming up after the break. All right.
begins the Inquisition. The Inquisition. What a show. The Inquisition. Here we go. We know you're wishing that we'd go away. But the Inquisition's here and it's here to stay. And we're back, and we're to the part of the Gospel Boldly podcast that is known as the Inquisition, where we are put to the test by by fiendishly diabolical questions from the audience. You can send one in to us, drop it on our Facebook page, Twitter, what have you. You can message Thomas or I. Be our Facebook friends. We don't mind. Um, or we just ask each other stuff. So, Thomas, do you want to go first, or shall I ask, or shall I answer first? Uh, hit me first. All right. Here's what I was thinking, Thomas. Often while while I'm looking around, I will see Bible verses that are abused, misquoted, pulled out of context. What do you think, and this is in your opinion, Mm. is the, the, the abused verse, misquoted verse that you see that most annoys you? Oh, man. If I can remember the citation, that would be great. But it's the Jeremiah verse about, um, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord to, you know, prosper you and this, that, and the other thing. I can't even remember how it goes. That's set. But I think it's Jeremiah 23, 11, if I had to guess. But yeah, it's that's that one everybody's got on their bumper sticker or on their shirts. Everybody seems like got a wristband these days with it on there or something. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Uh, plans to prosper you. Not to... Anyway, it's one no, of those. No, Jeremiah 23, 11 is both prophet and priest are godless. Even in my temple, I find their wickedness. <laughs> okay. It's let, not let, that one. let me find it. But yeah, but it, that's the one where, you know, people put it on cards when you graduate. I think I probably got a couple when I graduated college. Jeremiah 2911. 2911. Scribal error. Scribal error. <laughs> that's fair. Um, so yeah, that one, it's it, in the context, it's regarding the captivity, uh, the Babylonian captivity. Or or is it the the one for where they're going off to? Uh, no, it is it, Babylon. Yeah, it's yeah. Jeremiah's letter to the exiles. Yeah. And they're going off to captivity, and basically God's saying, look, this is temporary. Ultimately, this is for my glory, and yes, you will come back and prosper. And keep in mind that even those people that that was said to, a lot of them didn't make the return trip, either because they died in exile or because they you know, settled down over in Babylon area. But it was kind of corporate Israel, well, by that point, Judah-wide. Right. Anyway. Can, let, let me read verse 10 and 11. Yes, do. So, so they skip We'll 10. read 9 so we get the actual verse and then give us the context. Oh, oh no, no. Or, or, it, sorry, 11. Yeah, oh, it, you, it you are giving the context. 11. Okay, it, go for it. it. Go for it. All right. So Jeremiah 29. I'm going to start at verse 10. The verse often quoted is verse 11. Great. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. And I will fulfill you to my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. So really what he's saying is the next 70 years are going to stink on ice. (laughs) But wait it out. Yep. Is that how the verse is normally used? Oh, heck no. It's like, oh, you just graduated and and life will be wonderful. The world is your oyster. Look, God says so. You're 18, and the next 70 years will be horrific because you're going to have to work till you're 88 to get Social Security. Sorry, kids. And oh, wait, you mean that's not? <laughs> well, well th- this 
this does come up with a point. The context of verses are always important. Yep. You've got to know what's going on. Because again, if you just look at, I know the plans I have for you. They're, they're plans for welfare and not evil. Well, yes, that's true in the long run. Yeah. In the short term, what does God's plans for those exiles look like? I'll reverse uh, Keynes's statement and say, in the short term, we are all dead. <laughs> in the short term, we lost our home, we're defeated, we're utterly demoralized by an enemy, and we have no kingdom anymore. Yep. Yay! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, relax. I'm working your salvation. Chill out. Right. That's So it's a great verse, but if you use it as a, oh, well, I'm going to start this business that I want because God has plans for me and they're good— yeah, 70 years of debt because my business went bankrupt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even that's assigning too much personalization to it. But again, exactly. it's, look, God has the long view, and, and that should be a good comfort, but we use it for a temporal comfort, and it goes blah. Yep. Good, good verse. And, and you're you, it's off the one. by one digit. Yeah, well, you win some, you lose some, I guess. Scrabble uh, it. Scrabble one out of four. That's not too, too bad. Cool. All right, so here's my question for you then, if you're ready. All right. I would like you, also somewhat open, to tell me a little bit about Jesus' relationship with the disciples. What is he trying to accomplish with them during the course of his ministry? And what is the actual, I don't know if I'd say day-to-day, but what's the actual relationship between the two groups? All right. What Jesus is doing with his disciples, it basically from the Gospels, it looks like he basically has most of them with him for three years. Mm-hmm. And that was a an understood time of training for someone who's going to be coming a teacher or rabbi. So basically when it says they're his disciples, they're being trained to preach. Okay. All right. So so this is one of the things that's going on. The the primary fundamental relationship everyone would expect is they're students. They're they're seminarians, the uh. lowest form of life. Um <laughs> Hi, all seminarians listening. Uh, but but I mean that that's what they are. They're they're learning to to preach. And it's not though they go to course and but but they're observing, they're seeing what the teacher does so they can do what the teacher does. It's very much of a like an apprenticeship almost. Okay. That would almost be a good way to think of it. But it's not formal and distant. You have them being his friends. Because, I mean, it's not as though they go to class for a few hours and that's all you see the prof. I mean, when I went to, a, to, to class in college or high school, all right, my, my math teacher from, from senior year in high school, I saw Mrs. I just dropped her name. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> oh, oh, and I just talked about her at my read. Oh, that's terrible. All right. My, my, my chemistry prof, Mr. Zella, I saw him, uh, for 50 minutes a week, five times a week. So that that's not even quite five hours. Right. For like 30 weeks. So like 150 hours. And that was it. I mean, I, I, I never followed him home. I, if you are following around Jesus, you do 150 hours in a week, man. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a totally different relationship. And there's a, a, a total different set of, of closeness. Um, one of the things that you get with a, a lot of the Old Testament prophecies pointing forward to Christ is how it talks about how he's betrayed by his friend. Well, that's what Judas was. Judas was his friend. I mean, they, they'd spent three years hanging out. Yeah. Jesus spent more time with Judas than you probably have with your best friend, if you want to think about it that way. That's probably literally true. 
I, I mean, because again, you're, you're, unless you're going to say, my brother is my best friend or something like that. Well, but I mean, it, 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 three years together, man, that's a lot. Traveling constantly. Think about all the journeys they're doing, all those walks together. That That's a lot of stuff. So I, there, there's this great companionship that comes up along with this. So does like that it. kind of... All right. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Companionship is a great thing. Friendship is a great thing. Don't sell it short. And the disciples also were all friends, as we get in John, because you'll see John just give Peter a hard, hard time in the book. <laughs> so, all right. All right. So, all right. Uh, diving into chapter six then. Oh, we are. All, all right. right. So, let's go on. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Now, note, we've had Jesus go to the Jerusalem and back, and to Jerusalem and back. Okay. So, so basically, we John's just kind of almost given us like three years of stuff. We're into the we're 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 moving into the end game, as it were. Okay. And he's back up north. And what's going on now? And a large crowd was following him, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. What's Jesus now? Now, no, we haven't really. We had Jesus heal the uh, the the lame guy there, but John assumes that you know that Jesus goes around and heals people. That this is just what Jesus does. All right. Okay. So you get this giant crowd around him. All right. All right. There we go. Keep on up. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes, then. And seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, uh, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? All right. John gave a hinge first there. Okay. Um, in Luke, you get this big hinge after, in like it's 9 verse 53, I think it is, where Jesus fixes his eyes towards Jerusalem. For, for John, it's now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand. Yeah. That means all right now. Now we're now we're gonna ramp it up because again we're gonna start getting things going good so that people are prepared for the coming of the Christ, for his death, for his passion, for his resurrection. Right. And he looks up and he sees a crowd and says, "All right, well now it's time to get some teaching going." And the way you taught in the ancient world, if you were teachers, you asked questions, you talked back and forth. And he looks and sees the crowd, and he says to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Now, what's odd about that question? Why would you want to feed all these people? Yeah, it, it's just out of the blue. I mean, we, we're, we're not a catering business, Jesus. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, so he's catching them off guard, but he's, but he's bringing up something. Look, I, I have a responsibility to these people. I am going... We should be providing for them. That's implied. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, how does Philip do with his test? Uh, let's see. Verse 6. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not even be enough for each of them to get a little. All right. A denarii was basically a day's wage. I I think of it like 100 bucks, just because that makes the math easy. Mm -hmm. We could spend $20,000 and we won't have enough to feed them all. I mean, think think about it. If you're catering a, a dinner for, for 5,000 men, we find out how that's how many it is later on, four bucks a plate doesn't go very far. And when you add on women and children and stuff like that too, I mean, that 
especially on short notice. This isn't like with advanced planning. This is, uh, <laughs> all right, uh, everyone get a McRib. We're happy. The, the McRib is back. Yay. No, no. <laughs> so, so Philip, when asked the question, thinks totally carnally, thinks mm. in terms of money, thinks in terms of earthly wealth. No, no, that's swing and a miss. Okay. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to them, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? All right, so Andrew comes up and he says, All right, we, we've got five loaves, two fish. That's not really going to do much good. So, okay, plan B. Well, let's see what we can scrounge. Maybe some people brought stuff. Okay, <laughs> I, found, I found a kid. I can beat him up and take his lunch. <laughs> Hey, look, we can take the food from a young kid. That's plan B. Not a good sign. True that. Okay. All right. (laughs) Uh, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. Now, we get things playing off of many things. If I just say makes to lie down in the grass, that, that's Psalm 23 language. All day long. That, 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 that's the good shepherd up on the hill. He talks about being the good shepherd later on. I'm jumping a little bit ahead. But I mean, this is, this is feeding, taking care of. I'm the good shepherd. These are my sheep. Awesome stuff. And then, of course, and when he had given thanks. Um, yeah. Hey, Thomas, when does that come up in the church service? It seems like there's some kind of service of a sacrament somewhere in there. You don't get to be sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, this is this is language referencing to the liturgy. Yep. To to the liturgy of communion. Now, are they having communion? No. Right. But John's saying, ah, you know, just as Jesus fed them. Huh, huh, I wonder if Jesus ever feeds us. Hmm. We're supposed to make a mental connection, even though he's not directly addressing it. All right. right. Okay. There we There's go. Reverberations. Um, all right. All right. Um, go through 14. Okay. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Do, do we have sparks and fireworks that can go off? It's the third sign. It's the ultimate. It, it's settled. It's done. He is the Messiah. Look, they're all like, this is the prophet who's coming to the world. And it's all going to be uphill from here, right? It's all going to be awesome. Woo! Sunshine daily. The Cubs with the pennant. <laughs> oh. And what happens the very next verse? Read the next verse. The, 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 the heart-wrenching verse. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. They see the sign, and they want to do the wrong thing, and Jesus has to run away and hide. Otherwise, they're going to try and make him an earthly king instead of the Christ, the Messiah. And we're all going downhill from here. But Jesus is not distracted. He will do what it takes to win you your salvation. Because that's just awesome. Because he does what the Father wants him to do. The Son obeyed the Father's will, as the Luther song puts it. So There you go. All right. All right, folks. That's the show for the, the week, then. All right. Now I'm going to go check the score. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.